Hello and welcome to the Scottish Clans podcast. I'm Clint. Thank you for joining me. And I'm excited to get in and talk about the McLarens. And I'll tell you why in a minute. First, let me give a shout out to my sponsor, USA Kilts. They produce top-notch, not just, yes, top-notch kilts. Yes. And everything else that goes with the kilt. The customer service is second to none. And also, they have a really cool YouTube channel that if you're ever in the, needing something to watch and you're curious to learn more about everything that would relate to a kilt or get into some Scottish history, Scottish culture, they have a pretty broad range, actually, of topics on their YouTube channel. So go check that out, the USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions YouTube channel or usakilts.com. <clears throat> All right. And also, if you hear anything in the background... I'm recording this before everybody is to sleep. Often when I record my podcast, everybody is down and out, but not today. So there might be just a little bit of moving around in the background, and so I hope it doesn't throw throw you off and distract you too much. All right, so let's talk about the McLarens. Who are the McLarens? Well, what I'm not going to do is give you an exhaustive history on their background, their origins, and all this. I'm just going to pick uh, pick out a few things that are I find interesting about them, and that which includes two of those three things are interesting stories. One of them I've already told before, and the other one's never been told before. So I'm going to go into a little bit of detail on the one that I have mentioned before in a different episode, and more detail in the other one that I've never talked about. The McLarens, why, why are they interesting to me? The McLarens are interesting to me because they're kind of overlooked, I think. They are, well, their their territory lies on the in Balquitter. So if you need a map, you can look that up. When I turn this episode into a YouTube, YouTube video someday, which I'm slowly and steadily progressing on. I've got, a, I got three at, at the time of this recording published uh, on YouTube. But I'll include maps, okay? So Balquitter is in southwest, I had a hard time finding the actual line for this, but southwest Perthshire or north northwest Stirlingshire. And so if you ever want to get in there on a look up on a map and, and check those places out, the it's Balquitter actually sits at the east end, just discussing geography a little bit here. There's a, a loch here, and I'm actually on it's Loch Voile. Loch Voile. And I don't even know if I came close to the pronunciation of that, but that's where the, the very east end of that, like I said, southwest Perthshire, northwest Stirlingshire, is where you'll find their territory. And so who are some of their neighbors as far as clans are concerned? To the west, you would have the a branch of the McGregors that are actually going to come into part of the discussion here. Um, to the southwest, you have the Buchanans. To the east, you have the Stuarts of Balquitter. And to the north, you have the McNabs. So that's kind of the, the territory that they're in, some of their neighbors that surround them. And we'll get more into their neighbors and some of that stuff a little bit later. The I just think they're kind of right there. Their their territories within striking distance. Like you know, we've talked about the McFarlands before on here. How they were close enough. They're comfortably in the Highlands, but they're close enough to the Lowlands that if they want to go out on a raid one night, they can do it. 
Now, I don't know how, much, how often the McLarens ventured into the lowlands for cattle raids. The McFarlands did it all the time, especially if it was Cahoon territory. They were all over that. The McLarens, I'm not sure about so much, but um, I'm just trying to give you a ballpark of where they were and why I think, why they think, you know, I said they were overlooked. I, I don't know that they played as big a, as big a role in Scottish history as, say, the McDonald's, the Campbell's, the Gordons, so on and so forth. So maybe, I don't know, maybe they do get overlooked, but I just don't hear them very often, but they were a no kidding, honest to goodness, Scottish clan. And and did play a role in the local history that they were that they that they lived in. All right. So first thing I think is interesting about them is their origins. Now, if if you just go on Wikipedia or oh, Scott Clans or um, or go to the, our our venerable Scottish Clans and Families Encyclopedia, Holy Writ of Scottish Clans you will find the backstory that actually there is a clergyman way back and back, back ancient days, and they descend from him, and and that's their origin story, and they've always been kind of there in Balquitter. However, I've seen that challenged as I was researching the McLarens by a gentleman named Peter Lowry. Peter Lowry is, he's a, a fellow of the Society of Antiquaries of Scotland. So just like by some people's name, you'll find... Um, MA or PhD or, or other post-nominal letters. With him, it's FSA Scott. So, I, and I'm telling you all that because I just looked it up and now I feel really smart. But that's his. That's some of his credentials. Anyways, he, he approaches this a little bit. When you read his work, it's, it it feels a little bit more scholarly. All right, and I've, I'll include his his arguments, a, a link to the webpage with all of his arguments on this so that you can read it for yourself because I'm not going to go into a ton of detail. I'm just going to kind of give you the gist that he challenges the or- origin story of the McLarens that they weren't indigenous and they don't go back super ancient in the area of Balquitter. What he's saying, now, so it's to introduce this next part that I'm going to tell you, we've talked about this before. We've talked about how, in the context of the McGregors, we've talked about this when we were talking about them, that the McGregors were native to Glenstray, at right there by Kilkern Castle, which is the stronghold of the Campbells of Glenorchy. They were native to the area right next to that. And that's kind of where, that's where their chiefs lived. But the McGregors end up spreading out a little bit, and so they end up pushing east, and they settle in the, let me make sure that was east. I'm going back and forth here with my maps here. So from their homeland in Glen Stray, the McGregors go northeast into Glen Lyon, which is, so you have Loch Tay, which is kind of an S-shaped loch in the central highlands. And so there's, and there's from the north end of Loch Tay, there's a, which Loch Tay runs southwest, northeast. There's a glen that cuts from the north end of that loch straight west. That's Glen Lyon. And they end up settling in there. And then they also settle just across Loch Lomond from the McFarlands on the east side, which puts them in the neighborhood of the McLarens. And what Peter Lowry is arguing is that the McLarens got to came to possess the area of Balquitter in the same 
type of movement that, that brought the McGregors to Glengyle and Glen Lyon. Glengyle being that territory they had near Loch Lomond. And so what we're talking about is the Campbells are looking to expand and they're looking to bring kindreds into those areas that are loyal to them. And the reason I think this is so interesting, it's not just a, a contesting point of view, but I, I think it's it rings true to some of the other episodes of Scottish history that we've got into when it comes to a kin-based society. You know, we've seen other instances where somebody can gain control or gain title to a certain part of Scotland, but if they don't have a strong kin base there, their ability to exercise their will is fairly limited. And you see this on a big scale with the McDonald's and Ross. Yeah, they became the Earls of Ross, but they kept on having to raid into there because in order to get anything done, they couldn't just tell their kindreds who are loyal to them that live there, hey, this is what we need done. And so when people there don't cooperate, they have to bring a force in there. The thing was the McDonald's could do that. And so that's so the Campbells acquire or look to acquire territory in other areas. And so what will they do? They'll bring in other kindreds who are loyal to them. And before the fallout between the Campbells, specifically the Campbells of Glenorchy and the McGregors, the McGregors were kind of this occupied by force tip of the spear that the Campbells would send into an area. And, and then soon enough thereafter, the Campbells would have title to that land. And Martin McGregor is the scholar who, in his, his PhD thesis, outlines that relationship between the McGregors and Campbells. Now you're thinking, well, Clint, you're talking an awful lot about Campbells and McGregors instead of McLarens. But what I'm saying is, and what Peter Lowry really was saying is, that the McLarens came into this area of Balquitter in the same type of movement that brought the McGregors in there. It's camp. It's part of Campbell expansion. So that's just kind of an interesting counter or, or opposing view to how the McLarens came to occupy the land. So I and, it, and I didn't. I couldn't really see where they originally were from. There was a Ardvech, and the, Peter Lowry says there's two Ardvechs in Scotland, and the other one is where they came from. So I didn't actually look up what on the map what part that was from, but we're supposing it's farther west than Balquitter. Okay, so that's the first thing I think was interesting. Second thing is that the McLarens had a very tight relationship with the Stuarts of Appen. And in fact, they were involved on the side of the Stuarts of Appen in the Battle of Stalk, which, if you go back to my episode titled... Stuarts of Appen versus the rest of Argyle, which I don't know about the title that I named that of, but that's where you'll find it. It's a fascinating story. I mean, this this story, it should be in a book, a movie, somewhere, because this is just an awesome story. If you like stories, you like the story of the Battle of Stalk, but you can't just focus on the battle, the military as- aspect of it. You have to understand the whole story behind it. I'm not going to go into the whole story here because, like I mentioned, I did it in another episode, but lo- the, trying to make it a super short summary of it, you've got the McDougals who have been dispossessed in that area. The McDougals, before Robert the Bruce came to power, were the premier clan in that part of Scotland. And then Bruce won, who they had sided against. They lost a lot of their property. And at the, at the, at the benefit of the Campbells, the Campbells actually 
expanded quite a lot at the expense of the McDougals. And the McDougals were bitter about this for a long time afterwards. Now, the McDougals didn't get extinguished and completely go away, but their power was greatly diminished. Well, for one reason or another, whether that was the reason or there was other beef to be had with the Stuarts of Appen, who were the, actually the Stuarts of Lorne at this time? And so the McDougals, Lords of Lorne, that's now the Stuarts of Lorne, they come out against the, in a raid, in an ambush really, against John Stuart, Lord of Lorne, as he's in, right in the middle of trying to get married. Once again, I'm trying to make this long story short. His, his son that was legitimized by that marriage wants to take it back against the McDougals and summons, or not summons, they didn't, it was an al- he calls for their allies, the McLarens. The McLarens come running. The McDougals had been, I want to throw this in there, allied with the McFarlands. The McFarlands had joined the McDougals in this ambush. And in the in the battle that followed, which was the Battle of Stalk, which there is a, a Wikipedia article on that that you can look up and read about that battle. So you have the McDougals and McFarlands on one side and possibly some Campbells. And on the other side, you have side they have the McLarens and the McDougals. Sorry, the McLarens and the Stuarts of Lorne. And they win the day. And it's a really cool story, and the McLarens are involved in that. And so that's one thing I think is cool about the McLarens is just their involvement in that story and the side that they are on. And I'm saying that as a person with McFarland ancestry, but the McFarlands were on the losing side of this one, and the McLarens were on the winning side. And so that's cool for the McLarens, especially if you have a connection to them. All right. Now, before I get to the third thing that I think is interesting and that I, it's the, the story story part of this one, I want to actually talk about my sponsors a little bit. So the next time you are looking for a kilt or anything else that has to do with wearing a kilt or any kind of Scottish traditional garb, go to usakilts.com. I own one of their kilts and, and a few of the kind of the basics that need to go with it. And I love it. I love wearing it. It looks good. It feels good. I'm not. I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you that I'm like the best looking guy in the whole neighborhood. But the kilt sure does look good. And my wife thinks I look good. I'm not really sure if she. Anyway, she thinks I look good. But the kilt looks good. Is my point. Go get a kilt from the usakilts.com or any other thing that you need from that. Top quality products. Awesome customer service go to usakilts.com. Or if you're wanting something to watch on YouTube and you're curious about anything that has to do with wearing a kilt, I'm pretty sure that they have answered it on that show or they will answer it soon. They have tons of good content on their YouTube channel, USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions. So go check them out on YouTube. Um, But they don't just talk about kilts on there and tartans and backgrounds and history and how to wear this and what to wear it with and all that, which I found interesting as a new kilt owner. But they also get into Scottish history and Scottish traditions and culture and stuff. So, so go check them out. I think you'll like it. All right. So let's get on with the. By the way, I'll include links to that stuff in the in the show notes. So the story part of this, and I couldn't find a name for this battle. Now, I'm going to be reading from. So sources on this. Sources are important. In fact, somebody came out and was. Because uh, I'd read before from Electric Scotland, and somebody had said, and and I'm not saying they're even wrong. They're like, hey, it's just a bunch of outdated 19th century works that they're quoting from and just compiling from it. Basically, they're 
content, um, what's the word? I don't know. They just take con- stuff that's already out there and they, they bring it together in, in one spot. And it's a bunch of old, outdated 19th century stuff. Well, here's the deal. In jumping neck deep into Scottish sources, a lot of those 19th century documents that are written on Scottish clans and Scottish history still have a lot of value for them, for the subject. And so, in, and in many cases, that's what we've got to go on. So the works of William Skeen, and um, if you go back farther than the 19th century, go clear back to the 1600s, you've got the genealogical history of the Earldom of Sutherland, and uh, Donald Gregory, and you have some of these people who have written these older documents, and no, no, it's not the most cutting edge of scholarship on the Scottish clans. However, in lieu of a more recent scholar who's really broken this down and dug into it, somebody, somebody like, I've mentioned Martin McGregor, Michael Newton, um, Ennis McKinnick, Alison Cathcart, and I'll actually throw in there Peter Lowry as well, um, in, in absence of somebody coming out like that and, and increasing or digging into it a little deeper or fixing some things, those documents are the best we've got. Now, I did find where the story comes from before electricscotland.com, which I couldn't find for the last thing I shared from there. So it comes from the Highland Clans of Scotland by George Iyer Todd, which was published, his work was published in 1923. So just in case you're wondering, and if you can get a hold of any of that stuff, you can read this for yourself. But I'm just going to go read the story from electricscotland.com, but that's where they got it. Just, just if you're curious about sources. So Thank you for bearing with me, but I do feel like I've got to address sources, and I've had a lot of you mention that you appreciate me doing that. All right, so off of electricscotland.com, a story well-remembered in Balquitter and told with many circumstantial details by the inhabitants of the district at the present day is that their great conflict with the Buchanans is that of their great conflict with the Buchanans. Local tradition assigns the incident to the 12th or 13th century, but... The Buchanans were not then in strength at Lenny, and it seems much more probable that the event occurred sometime in the days of James V. According to tradition, the episode began at a fair at Kilmahog, at the foot of the Pass of Lenny. Among those who attended the fair was a certain natural, or innocence, who was one of the McLarens of Balquitter. I'm going to pause right there. So, it's quote-unquote natural, quote-unquote innocence. I think what they're getting at is somebody who had a mental handicap and responded to this incident maybe slightly differently than than somebody else would have. Back into the quoting. (coughs) Excuse me. As As this person strutted along, he was met by one of the Buchanans, who, by way of jest, slapped his face with the tail of a salmon he was carrying and knocked off his bonnet. In the way of a weakling, the McLaren innocent dared his assailant to do this again at the fair at Balquitter. The natural then went home and promptly forgot all about the incident. On the day of the fair at Balquitter, however, when the McLarens were busy buying, selling, and enjoying themselves, word was suddenly brought that a considerable body of the Buchanans were marching up through Strathire and were already no farther away than the Clachan of Ruskachan. Then the idiot suddenly remembered what had happened to him at Kilmahog and the challenge he had given. 
There was no time to lose, but the fiery cross was at once sent round the McLaren territory, and the clan rushed to arms. The McLarens had not all come in had not all come in by the time the Buchanans arrived on the scene, but those who were present, nothing daunted, began the attack. At first, the Buchanans carried everything before them and drove the McLarens for a mile to the place where the manse now stands. There, one of the McLarens saw his, his son cut down and, being suddenly seized with battle madness, turned, shouted the slogan of the clan, Craig and Turk, and whirling his claymore, rushed furiously at the enemy. The clansmen followed him, and before this new furious attack, the Buchanans went down like corn. Only two escaped by swimming the river Balveg, but even those were followed, one being cut down at Gartnaforan, and the other at the spot since known from the circumstances as Sronlani. The whole episode is typical of the ways of the Highlands at the time. Close quote. And usually when I tell a story, I just mention a couple things I think were interesting about this event. Um, one is that the, so it's the, whoever's writing this, well, back to my sources, it would have been George Iyer Todd and, and wherever he pulled the story from acknowledged that the time that the, that it's the, the setting that it's originally given time-wise is too early. So some of that stuff is cleaned up and corrected in here. Another um, thing that is interesting about this is that the so and you heard me while I'm reading through this say McLarens. So while I'm reading this, the way it reads here is M A C L A U R I N S, and to me in my head that's a you know, Lauren, McLaren, McLaren. Okay not wanting to get too bogged down with that. I think it's cool. And, you know, we don't, we don't know for sure. The best we can do with these time, these the stuff stories that come out of this time is like these people, if this takes place in the 1500s, 14, 1500s, what's the best they've got? Um, they could write it down if they have somebody who's, who's bookish in their group, but really the way this was passed down was orally. So, if this, like, let's say every ounce of this happened, just as it was told, how would we get it? It would come down to us in an oral tradition. Okay. I do think it's cool about the father seeing his son um, cut down and inspired with battle, that they call battle madness. And I wonder, I wonder what the term for that would be in, in Gaelic, which would be the language of the McLarens at this time. And if it would be the same term that they use to describe Cúchulain. And one thing I've learned from Michael Newton is the Highlanders are raised on stories of Cúchulain and Finn McCool, illustrating the cultural continuity between Gaelic Ireland and Gaelic Scotland. And I wonder if they use the same term in Gaelic, battle madness, because that's what it's usually interpreted, something similar to that when they're talking about Cúchulain. So just curious about that. Another thing I think is interesting that it illustrates here, the McLarens could have just said, well, that member of our clan there, he he doesn't have it all together, whatever, and we're just we're not going to back that up. But no, they they backed him. He's one of theirs. Whatever condition he's dealing with, whatever life has dealt him, he's one of theirs. And that's how it goes. I and I think that's a cool quality within a kindred. Like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And and yeah, we should try to work some stuff out, but 
by the time they even know what's happening, there's already a, a force of Buchanan's bearing down on them. So maybe they didn't have enough time. And I'm addressing all this stuff as though this happened. Just just things I think are interesting about the story, okay? I'm not acknowledging that it is a story, and maybe it all happened. Maybe it happened kind of like this. Maybe it happened exactly like this. I don't know, but um, just interesting things in here. All right, so that... That's the story. That's the story of the McLarens versus or the McLarens versus the Buchanans. Buchanans, I think, is another interesting aspect of this, and I and I, my interest has kind of peaked. I already know a few things about the Buchanans that I think are interesting, and that may we may want to address in a future episode. But I think I've taken up all my time for this one. So if you want to become uh, part of our community, we have a. I just checked the Facebook group and it's 12.7 thousand on there so it's out of control and so if you want to really so if you want to just get involved with a group of people who are there to talk about scottish clans then go to the facebook group now if you want to address me directly you can you can use my email at the scottish clans at gmail.com you can find you can i'm pretty easy to find via the facebook group and then you can send me a personal message. Also, um, and I'm trying to keep up on those. I have been refer- re- responding to people. Sometimes my responses have been late, but just recently I responded to, to several people who had tried to message me on there. Also, you can send a message on podbean.com, which is my web host for this podcast. I'm not sponsored by them, but so I'm not throwing that out there in other ways, any other way than to say, hey, that you can contact me through there, podbean.com or get the app. And then also you can leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. And you know what? Whatever platform you're following, you're listening to this on, if you want to go ahead and subscribe to it or follow it or whatever the option is for that particular platform, one other invitation I'd make to you is to reach out to somebody that you think would be interested in this stuff and share it with them. And I think the the more people we can bring into this and, and get engaged in this conversation, I think we've really done a lot of work. And it hasn't been just me with the podcast, it's been, we've got some really sharp people engaged on the, um, on the Facebook group. In fact, I want to give a shout out to Neil King recently, who posted, has posted a series of little snippets on the Jacobite rebellion, maybe dispelling some incorrect portrayals in popular media and giving us a lot of the backstory to what was going on. And in, in fact, in some of the posts, he zoomed out and gave you the big European picture that the Jacobite rebellions happened in. I think it's really interesting. I think he's done a great job. And we've got other very capable people on that Facebook group who really, I think we've taken some of the romanticism and some of the the fairy tale part of Scottish clans that didn't really exist ever. And because the truth is not less interesting. And so we're doing some great things on there. So I encourage you to go check that out. Reach out to me in the methods I I recommended and share this with somebody that you think would be interested. So until next time, Marshan Leven Drasta.